Hello. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're off to a great start. We will talk to our guest, Chauncey Thomas, right now as we talk about the Black Reps production of Death of a Salesman. Around minute 28, we'll talk about A Man Called Otto. And then around minute 37, we will talk Megan. Around minute 47, Pale Blue Eye. And around minute 53, the Dion Wardwick documentary, Wildcat, If These Walls Could Sing, and everything else we forgot during the holiday break. The kickoff of the theater season is the Black Rep's 46th anniversary. 46? Yes. And that's, that's terrific. But they are doing an epic production of Death of a Salesman with the founding artistic director, Ron Himes, as Willie Loman, and Jacqueline Thompson directs, and one of our favorite actors in St. Louis, Chauncey Thomas, is going to play Biff, and he joins us today. Hey, Chauncey. Chauncey. Hello. We're so thrilled that you took time out of your busy schedule, because I'm sure those, uh, those rehearsal sessions have been intense. Yes, um, I'm exhausted 24-7, but I <laughs> I love this play. I love this role, so it's worth it. And the cast is is terrific. Yes. It is just a name after name after name. Velma Austin is playing Linda. And who is playing Happy? Christian Kittens. Okay, so he's new to the Black Rep stage, right? Um, he's one of, currently one of the interns. I, I says <laughs> Christian Kitchens. Um, he is uh, one of the interns, but he's phenomenal. Um, I'm. I will. This is one of my favorite plays, and I have a lot of opinions about it. <laughs> and I have a lot of opinions about how the role, every single role should be played. And I, I'm thrilled to have him as my happy. Oh, that's just so great for for those people who have not ever seen this this is probably the one where it's going to take on different meanings because of the situation but it's still such a masterpiece on the flip side of the american dream and uh i i can't get every time i've seen it it brings new things to it and arthur miller is at 1949 yes so uh that was it's it's considered probably the best American play. He and uh, Tennessee Williams's A Streetcar Named Desire they came out around the same time, so I can't even imagine what New York theater was like then. But uh, you know, I've seen Brian Dennehy do it, and he won the yes. Tony for that. Yes. I did not see the Philip Seymour Hoffman one, which James Corden beat him for the the best actor tony just fyi if for one what is it one man two governors yeah yeah and, but, and, uh, then, but, and the, the classic one which was on pbs when i was a kid was the dustin hoffman one yes with john malkovich also mm -hmm. another isu graduate and um because that's what it's all about not it's not about <laughs> willie loman it's whether they have an illinois connection <laughs> or whether they have a great biff and chauncey i just can tell is going to be a great biff and uh how many times have you worked with jacqueline thompson okay uh we did <laughs> intimate apparel we did dot uh she directed uh the one act i wrote for washington university I think that's 
it, but I wouldn't be surprised if I'm missing something. Yeah, but you guys go way back. Yes. yes what does she like to work with as a director? Um, she's giving us a lot of freedom. Um, you know, we're, we're, we kind of started from a place of, she's just like, I would just want to let you all play and then I will refine. So, um, everyone's getting to kind of explore their impulses, uh, which I like, and I, I will personally so, you know, some parts, um, I'm, I'm much more open to suggestions. And I'm going to be real, this one, uh, not too many. I'm like, you can tell me a few times of like where to go, but <laughs> I know this dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, well, sure. If, if, if you've got a set uh, thing, well, uh, why do you like to, why do you uh, like this character? What is so terrific about getting to play this character? Well, I will say, um, my introduction to this play, I saw um, uh, Brian Dennehy and the London production. Uh, so it was 2001. Um, I had only been acting for two years, like at, at all. I was a, uh, just finished my junior year of college and I was still very green to everything. And so I, I knew of this play and I knew it was an important play, but I, I had never, um, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and so I, I go with some friends to this theater in London and uh, it was the first time I saw a show that I felt, um, hit my experiences in life so hard just like i um i have a very complicated relationship with my father um and there were just so many i just i just remember the, the moment of uh the woman saying are you football or baseball and he just says football and i, I just wept i just wept <laughs> and um uh this character now like looking at it 17 years later um who uh was just one of these people who who peaked in high school and it's just kind of, kind of been um a downward you know i i wasn't necessarily an athlete to the degree biff was but i was i'm i was most likely to succeed i was most likely to be rich i was a straight a student i was co-valedictorian of my high school and everyone was just like you're going to be a wealthy doctor and just like these ideas of what everyone was telling me I was supposed to be and then just what I actually fell in love with and kind of the, the fight and struggle I had, um, you know, first starting with my family of like, this is what I want to do and like, you're going to be poor and this is going to work and then, uh, you know, I just kind of accepting that, you know, this is uh, the life I want, you know, the those kind of parallels. Uh, with Biff just loving being outdoors. And he's just like, I like this simple life. I like, um, you know, I love watching a mare and a colt be together, you know, just kind of these simple things. Um, so, uh, and then, <laughs> I mean, many other dynamics, which I probably shouldn't speak about. <laughs> <laughs> in well, I think we can all identify with the characters in Death of a Salesman in a, such a different way. And that's just, that's why it is just a masterpiece because everybody in every generation, you have a death of a salesman and you can relate to the whole thing. You can relate to the high school jocks that never grow up, that, that uh, live in that glory days of 
you know, their their youth. And and you see that all the time when you run into people uh, from your past or even, you know, like my own brothers were huge jocks, you know, and and so you can relate to those whole things and the dynamics between the sons and the father and the need for success and the 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 way that Willie puffs himself up and the dramatic fall that is you know it's coming and you're just like it's just still devastating and i can imagine how ron is gonna inhabit this role he's he, he's doing a great job he's absolutely and then well he won the st louis theater circle award for playing uh troy in fences and and so I can I can see where uh, he has the emotional heft to bring it and to have all those different emotions. Who's who's playing the neighbor? Who's playing the neighbor guy? Uh, Charlie. We're talking yeah. about Charlie. Um, sorry, Jim Reed. <laughs> OK, and that I have seen the cast list. Carl It's a fabulous cast list. Um, it has been on Broadway. And uh, I've heard uh, such great things about how it brings a new depth to the show. And that's why I think you're going to be performing for a lot of uh, uh, high school kids. And, uh, you know, you have that, don't you have that educational matinee on like Wednesdays or one of the days? Do you I, will, I will be on. We, we do. I have not even thought of the schedule. He doesn't know when he's doing it. He just knows that he's got to do it. Okay, so it opens. Yeah, <laughs> it open, It opens next Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. But Wednesday Friday, through Sundays. Right. So it opens on January 11th, and they they have twenty dollar tickets on Wednesday nights. So if you think, oh, I can't afford theater, and it's at the Edison Theater on the campus of Washington University, and uh, there's a, a beautiful place to see a show. And uh, they have Carl. They have really good sound. FYI. Oh, I I do know that, and I know on the 18th there is a 10 o'clock show. That Wednesday the 18th is a 10 o'clock show. You're probably going to get lots of students for that show. Yeah. So you're going to be introducing kids to this show for the first time. What do you think the takeaway um, for them is going to be? Um, well, uh, I, I, I love this, these kinds of questions and I also hate them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also no wrong answer for these yeah. questions. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I personally, I, I have what I'm, what I'm trying to do. And I, I advocate for my character and then, um, I don't think too much about, what the audience takes from it, or I don't want to say I don't think too much about it, but I I try not to to determine what it should be. I just kind of I you know I am going to take my experiences in life and um, I'm going to enter through Biff through that, and people determine based on their experiences or life they're going to receive that and it's going to meet somewhere and they're going to take their own thing with it and um so i i generally just like my my hope with any show that i do is that um everyone can find sympathy and empathy with everyone else 
um, understanding uh, universal truths that we all just want to be loved and everyone's scared and frightened and everyone's ultimately trying their best. That's really kind of my my goal for every show and it, it doesn't really change depending on uh, what it is. What's it feel like now that the pandemic is in its third winter? And I always call it the post-vaccine pandemic. Yes. What's it feel like to be uh, in in such a, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're a new normal, but yes. uh, you've resumed acting again. What's that feel like? Uh, well, I was I was one of the fortunate ones that basically kind of as soon as theaters were open, I was kind of working again so it um so i it feels like i've uh as soon as you know the doors were open i kind of hit the ground running um and now uh i think people are we're a little more relaxed we're a little less terrified <laughs> uh less you know it, it's still a concern everyone you know obviously we have to take our, our precautions um but I'm I'm a little I'm a little less stressed uh, about it, um, and I'm I'm just trying to stay healthy and do my job. <laughs> yeah, well, you were really fortunate to. Well, you were cast in last season's Shakespeare Festival, Much Ado About Nothing, and that was a fun role for you. Oh, I had a blast being yeah. in comedy. Yes. <laughs> yes it's it's a different vibe than death of a salesman exactly. oh yeah wait and then and then the season before the, i mean you, you've been in shakespeare festival quite a bit are the st louis shakespeare a uh, festival summer show mm -hmm. at forest park but also you were in the landmark a, a glass menagerie that was outside at tennessee williams's own home, home, a former home, which was incredible. And the New York Times wrote about it. They did. Wasn't that fabulous? That, that was thrilling. That was a thrilling production. Um, yeah, that that one meant a lot to me. Um, that was the first um, play that I I was I was a crew member on. So it was really really kind of my first theatrical production was you know, backstage at Glass Menagerie. Uh, and I just, I didn't necessarily imagine that I was gonna get to do that, you know, 18 years later outside of- <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, as, as Lynn said, as Lynn said, you had, um, you've done the two uh, sentimental, well, not sentiment, the two typical all-time classic American plays with Shakespeare thrown in the middle. Yes. Yeah, and and you did uh speaking of Illinois, Carl. Uh -huh. Um he did the Illinois Shakespeare Festival in Bloomington, which is next to my college, Illinois State University. But you've <laughs> done that for several seasons. Yes. And didn't you win an award there a couple of years ago? Yeah, or they, some recognition? He has so many awards, he doesn't <laughs> know what he's won, Lynn. <laughs> I should have uh, read my I should have read my article that I did about you called Take Ten with Chauncey <laughs> Thomas at Pop Life SDL. If anybody wants to, I should have read it this morning, but I'm like, why not? Now I'm blanking. But didn't you didn't you <laughs> yeah. get some award? Yes, they have uh every year they induct someone into the um Illinois Shakespeare Festival Hall of Fame. So I oh. was 
I was uh, inducted into their Hall of Fame. Um, time tends to blend into me. I guess that was um, 2021. Yeah, that season. So, so, so what? So you have Shakespeare. You have the classics. What uh, uh, do you feel that these new interpretations? How do you feel about uh, you get to be part of 21st century interpretations? Um, I I'm thrilled about it. That's uh, I would say. I mean, I can I can speak for I would say starting with Shakespeare. Um, when I was younger and uh, more of a neophyte, uh, I I was I always kind of had this idea of like what Shakespeare was and just kind of this old antiquated way of speaking. And then uh, I encountered a role which I just didn't know how to do it that way. And so I just made it sound modern. And uh, my director was like, yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so since, I like what you're thinking there. Yeah. And so, so since then, I, I was just like, oh, that's actually one of my skills is that I, I'm really good at like understanding once i understand it i generally need some help uh <laughs> once i understand it, i'm like i can translate this to make it seem modern and that will be my style of approaching the work and so i i love that because there's a little bit of detective work and there i'm like i'm still a nerd and so i've i've, I've got <laughs> something that's gotta you know make my brain you know solve a puzzle um and then i i find just this joy in just trying to like how do i how do i make this feel like now yeah well the play since it's 1949 uh has lasted for has endured for 70 years so uh, why do you think that is why do you think that this play is still being done well i just uh i think that there any play that I think it just keeps getting done. I just find that there are universal truths in it. I just, I just think that there's uh, so, <laughs> um, so many things that are just so relatable to uh, so many different kinds of people. Um, I think uh, many things that are universal aren't necessarily uh relevant to everyone some things um and i feel like this is a play that kind of does both i think that it's universal and i think it's relevant and i think i don't think people have to work hard to see themselves in it or someone they know um and and what do you think of uh, arthur miller's uh, work in general as one of the greats in oh. uh <laughs> he's uh he's one of my favorites um one of uh one of my jokes, and this was uh, this was something that kind of haunted me. I would say more five, ten years ago. Um, all of my favorite plays are written by dead white guys, and so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I I say that because it just means one, they're they're not creating any new works, and they're um, there's just many of these stories that people haven't necessarily seen um, someone who looks like me inhabiting these parts but it's it's just like there's all these all these things that freaking eugene o'neill wrote and just i'm just like salivating to do them it's just like you know arthur miller and i'm going to do tennessee williams and I. you would not turn down an august wilson play though i would not turn down an august wilson <laughs> play. no i would not no um, in fact the first time i saw chauncey was in the piano lesson at the black rep and that was at the grandel 
Yes. Uh, but yeah, so. there was a lot of this uh, classic work that, you know, it was, you know, I was 19 at Washington University. It was the first thing I was exposed to. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, yes. I, uh, you know, these names of plays I've heard and I'm finally reading them. I'm like, this is brilliant, I, you know? Um, and so it, it's really lovely to uh, be able to inhabit so many of these plays that I've, I've been thinking about for two decades. That is great. And you were a, a fantastic uh, gentleman caller. Oh, so good. You and Elizabeth Teeter were so good together. And uh, yeah, and how about her? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm I I'm not surprised one bit. I'm not. <laughs> that's just the thing. I was, um, you know, telling uh, all of my friends uh, when I was doing Glass Menagerie. I'm like, yeah, this uh, the woman playing Laura. Uh, she's making me look really good. She's half my age and twice as talented <laughs> as I am. <laughs> so I just. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. we had her dad on not too long ago, and he said, you know, because Beetlejuice was closing, yes. and she was Lydia, but he said she was she was getting more, you know, some offers. So I'll be anxious to see what what she's up to. But how is it with the the young people? Because I think you probably maybe don't see yourself as a men mentor, but I can see you as a really good mentor for the young the young folks. So what is it like with these younger people in this cast? being introduced to this playwright for the first time and everything. What do you, what do you observe from them getting, getting introduced to this? Um, I, uh, I just like the way that every, everyone's, I felt like found is finding their own truth and their own way through it. There's um, <laughs> the person who's um, playing Jenny uh, who's just just kind of this small, she's just um, um, Howard's secretary. You just meet her briefly. Willie comes in. She's like, I don't know what to do with him. Uh, you know, Bernard, can, can, you, can you handle this situation? And I remember the very first day that um, we're like all introducing ourselves and Jackie asks some question of like, what are you bringing what are you bringing to the space? And she said, I'm bringing my smile. And whether things are good or bad, I have this smile on my face. And I'm like, I hope you just do that in the scene because it was just so naturally her. And she, it's just this hilarious moment that <laughs> she that um, was very comfortable in her body. But I, I was just like, I hope that smile shows up and it does. And uh, so I, I'm just liking seeing all the little choices that they make um, and just making it their own. Which is, which is, that's the whole thing, you know, and I'm sure they're in awe of you, you legends in town, <laughs> you know, like getting to work with you and getting to work with Ron and getting to work with Jacqueline. Uh, Jacqueline is so multi-talented. Yes. I just, it's a joy to know her. It really is because she just radiates. She directs, she acts, she, uh, Every time she wins a circle award and somebody's up there, the actors all just, you know, just rave about her and, and everything. But, you know, she has that joy. Now, this is such intense stuff. I remember seeing Brian Dennehy in a heap on that stage, you know, like, holy Jesus. And, you know, you could have heard a pin drop. And my mom was like, that was 
before she died. That was the last play we, my sisters and, uh, and I took her to. And, and she just always talked about that, you know, and, and um, I saw John Contini in it at Insights production that won a, you know, ton of circle words. But I just remember, how do they go there? I mean, they go to that place where, I don't know how you recover. And then when I saw you in Top Dog, Underdog, <laughs> and, then, and then right afterwards you were sitting at the bar, you know, at the West End Bubba Grill. Yeah. And I was like, how do you guys do this? When you, <laughs> when you give everything and leave it out there on the stage, how do you, how do you get that back? Because, you know, that is an emotional experience. Yes. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> think I could say, uh, I was glad there were never any two show days of Top Dog Underdog. That, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a problem. Um, and actually, I don't know how I'm going to get through the two show days of this one. Uh, I will worry about that um, come, what will that be? January 14th, uh, 8 o'clock. I will, I will, <laughs> I will uh, figure out that solution. Um, but yeah, I don't, um, I, I, I don't, you know, it's when it's, when it's over, when you, you make it to the end, I don't worry about having any energy left afterwards. All I need to do is be able to walk and get in my car and get home and then, you know, just rest up the next day. And, um, I try to, um, just make sure I have the stamina for a show like vocally, physically, and uh all that but i especially parts like like you know top dog underdog that was a dream role of mine this is a dream role of mine and uh just the joy and excitement of getting to go through that journey and i'll take that ride again it fills me up enough so i think that's just what it's going to be yeah and and you guys all work together to uh, assist each other in that too because i'm sure you have some gallows humor going on <laughs> <laughs> well you can go to the blackrep.org the show starts on wednesday january 11th and goes wednesdays through sundays for two weeks uh the last game the last show game the last show is on the 29th of january and i think you're going to be fantastic because you love the material so much you're bringing something well you're casting i mean having it at the black rep is bringing something new to it anyway yes so go to the blackrep.org thank you so much uh chauncey you got anything lined up after this uh, yes, I I am going to uh Alabama Shakespeare Festival to do the Tempest. Ooh. Oh yeah. cool, very cool, warm. Warm yes. weather. Yes. <laughs> Warm exactly. <in> February. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Anything you want to say before you sign off for the for the morning? Uh no. Um please come see the show. I, I'm I'm thrilled about it. I think you'll be thrilled about it too. And yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. The blackrep.org. Break a leg. Thank you. Thanks, Chauncey. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, Carl. So I we're not even a week into the new year yet. And I feel like it's already the end. <laughs> like we've been doing this for like, a long, oh, what a week, right? 
Well, I saw a movie and you saw a movie, but your movie doesn't come out yet. I don't understand what's no, going it's on. Very, it's very weird because I thought A Man Called Autos, Auto started next Friday, the 13th. But no, it starts January 6th in St. Louis. January 13th, when they say in theaters everywhere, they're talking about the hinterlands. Ah. And St. Louis is getting to January 6th, so I was confused. So this is a this is a remake. First, first of all, the book was a mega sensation. Uh, every single my wife said every single book club that she knew about was reading this book, and it was made in a from a foreign film. It's uh, a man, a uh, man. What was what was it called? Foreign. Oh, a man Ove. called Ove. Ove, but it's a man called Otto here in the states, and it stars a uh, two-time Academy Award winner Tom Hanks. Yes, and he is effective playing a, a super grumpy guy. And he wants to kill himself. And he is bad at it, thankfully. So and does this make he, it a comedy rather than a drama? It is a drama with comedy. Okay. And comedian Mike Birbiglia plays a, a not-so-nice guy. So I love my probiglia. So do I. In fact, uh, my sister's in town and uh, she went with me to it. And when we got home, I put on Mike Birbiglia's Netflix special, the new one. Okay. I said, you have to see him do comedy because he plays the, the bad guy in this movie. So um, anyway, Tom Hanks is a widower and he has spent his life as an engineer he's very precise very fact he calls everybody idiots hmm. he is really upset with modern people with the way things operate with the way a property management company operates with the way a hardware store operates with the way people drive with the way people pretty much do anything he has a short fuse Okay, it's, it's is, directed by Mark Forrester, who yes. uh, did Stranger Than Fiction, uh, Finding Neverland, Monsters Ball, Quantum of Solace, World War Z, and Christopher Robin. Uh, so he has done a lot of genres, and you said this is a dramedy. Uh, how's he fare here? I think he does very well. He did Monsters Ball, for God's yeah. sake. So he go he can go dark for sure. Yeah. But the the finding neverland uh what you know the heart the heartwarming this is indeed a heart tugging story i had my kleenex out shed a few tears laughed uh gasped my sister uh was just like my mom at a movie gasping and grabbing my leg at these well ha you've seen you've seen a man called ove right no, it came out in 2015, and I don't know why I missed it because surely it was it was a, a Oscar contender for, for international feature. Right. So I'm not sure why I didn't see it that year for STL film, film critics. critics. So hmm. I don't know why. Now Kate Marquis remembers seeing it and and, and liking it a lot. So uh, Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks's real life wife. Read it. She is one of the producers of this, and she wrote this fabulous song on it called "Till Your Home." Okay. And the official music video is out because I watched it last night, 
and it's with a is with this uh, other singer called Sebastian Yatra, who I've okay. never heard of, but apparently is a big deal. So, uh, but that doesn't surprise me not knowing who people are in music. So, no. uh, but so the Hanks are uh, definitely, and uh, Tom Hanks produced it with his Playtone partner, Gary Geltzman. And uh, this cast is largely unknown to me, but it won't be for long. The girl that's playing Marisol, she is the neighbor who basically rescues Otto. Otto okay. Anderson. Uh, from his doldrums and and uh, she ref she wants to be neighborly. She brings him over. She she brings him over uh, Mexican food, and uh, he doesn't want anything to do with his neighbors. He doesn't want anything to do with anybody. He just wants to be sad in his house, mourning his wife. His wife died six months ago from cancer, uh, and. Uh, she was the light of his world and he, the flame has gone out, but Mary, Marisol, her husband and their two children just worm their way into his life. And it shows you the importance of having connections, shows you the importance of family. It has a lot to say about loss and love and it's very sentimental. And it, I am okay with that. I don't think it's sappy. I think it's very realistic. And um, there's a cat that is I love cats. In, mm -hmm. uh, in in working his way into Otto's part. And it just shows you that uh, people, uh, like most people just stay away from Otto. He is the kind of get off my lawn type that people ignore. Well, in in the year uh, that it came out, uh, twenty it was the 2016, 2017 Academy Awards, 89th. Everyone uh, remembers that uh, Academy Awards for uh, La La Land not winning Best Picture and Moonlight winning Best Picture. But Best Foreign Language Film that year was The Salesman from Iran. Aha, which is an excellent film. Right. So and that is about death of a salesman. <laughs> what it all it all ties back together so Isn't is tom mean? hanks good tom hanks or is tom hanks uh, i need a need a new house tom hanks no it's good tom hanks it's different because you know he's he's not he's not his national treasure tom hanks playing sully or playing geppetto well we won't go there Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's uh it's it's good tom hanks because it's meaty it's a media role i mean we're not talking philadelphia or forrest gump or castaway tom hanks but uh he gets he gets this guy he understands this guy and he uh you know you're just wishing he would crack you know that facade because but y'all know people like this everybody knows somebody that and are are you when you were a kid you lived next to a neighbor like this that you wouldn't dare cross their lawn because right. you you know the kind of person that would give apples out at halloween or not even have their light on pennies <laughs> pennies <laughs> oh yeah not the good kind of candy bar for sure <laughs> 
And, but, but yeah, no, he just, it's so funny because he just finds fault with every, he's one of those guys that is like, he, he has to make his rounds in the morning. He's always, you know, I have to make my rounds and he uh, sweeps because he, it's filmed in Ohio, Pennsylvania kind of area. Yeah. So they have snow and he shovels his long, his walk like precise very precise he's very regimented he's very scheduled he and his wife used to go to the swedish bakery at 1 p.m every saturday and they would leave at 2 p.m that is the kind of guy he is so i can see how people embrace this book because you think it, it's a better book than a movie well i didn't read the book so i can't say okay. but your wife would be a good source of uh, reference for that when and yeah yeah Everybody I tell that the movies, they go, oh, I love the book. So you know how that's going to go. Sometimes. Sometimes you, like you win. Sometimes you lose. All right. So you saw that the movie I saw was OK. So I saw I saw Kevin C last night at the uh, at the screening. And I said, hey, you ready to see Mithrigan? He's like, did you just really call it Mithrigan? And I said, come on, Kevin, it's great. And he's like, I I was getting ready to strangle you. And I said, I guess the sequel will be called Maforgan. But no, it's Megan, but it's a three. It's pronounced Megan. It's a horror movie because, you know, it's January. That's what happens in January. We get horror films. And it was sold out, Lynn. They had to turn people away to who wanted to see this movie. Uh, Megan starts for or stands for Model Three Generative Android. Well, apparently it's an internet sensation. That's why it's so popular. And the early reviews, I did not read them, but I saw the headlines and I thought to myself, with Allison Williams, oh, is this going to be like a Get Out? Like, no. Uh, well, well, it's it's interesting because it's produced by Jason Blum and James Wan, so there is kind there's. They've worked with Allison before, and Allison, of course, um, uh, was in Get Out. I don't want to say anything about that in case there are some people that have not seen Get Out, but she's famous for one being Brian Williams' daughter. He's she's a nepo baby, and also she was on Girls the entire time. Lena Dunham show on HBO, and oh. so she, I full disclosure, Max and I walked in late, and I missed the first. One and a half minutes of the movie. It starts out with a commercial for this Furby type doll that is AI and it's sort of like a Siri or an Alexa in a Furby doll. And then you smash cut to these two parents taking their child skiing, but the snowplow uh, kills the parents. The There's a snowstorm and the snowplow's plowing the road but these there's a car accident and the parents die and this girl this nine-year-old girl named katie played by violet mcgraw she and her hair is like long and straight she actually looks like she's a killer doll in some scenes because she's playing through the grief of her parents just dying and she goes to live with her guardian who is her her mother's sister played by Allison Williams, Gemma. Let's see. Katie lived in Oregon 
And Gemma lives in Seattle because she's a tech agent and she works for Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show. And they make these Furby toys, but she's working on a robot AI that looks kind of human. The only toy you will ever need. In fact, Katie says, if I had a toy like this, I would never want any other toy again. So without letting her boss, David, Ronnie Chang, know that she's making this, it becomes a sensation and she pairs with Katie so she can learn. So it's one of these AIs that learns and doesn't necessarily follow its programming. And so uh-huh. she becomes a friend and then she helps her live through her grief. Everything that Aunt Gemma, which is weird, they never call her Aunt Gemma. She just calls her Gemma the entire time. That anything her Aunt Gemma should be helping her cope, Megan is taking care of that. But Megan, all, Megan's primary function is to keep Katie safe emotionally and physically. So first she starts on the emotional, then there is threats from the neighbor's dog, even though Gemma has not fixed her fence. And so that's when the killings start. Uh, Max, <laughs> our buddy Max Foyze, Max on Movies, said he wished there was more killing. There, there were not there were not enough killings for Max, but there are at least uh, let's see. Well, let's start. Let's start with Lori Dungy, who plays the neighbor. She she first I thought it was uh, Margot Martindale, but it's not. It's Lori Dungy. And she plays the bitchy neighbor who, as soon as you see her first scene, you go, well, she's dead first. And then you have a kid that's bullying Katie because Katie was homeschooled and now to get her some interaction they're auditioning schools and one of them there's a bully and Megan sees it and then things happen and then they're like we need to turn off Megan so then there's murder and mayhem at the computer factory which is really a it's more like a Microsoft or uh, an Apple tech place which has all it's more of a campus like they do in Silicon Valley. Remember that movie with Anya Taylor Joy a couple of years ago as an uh, AI type villain assassin. And uh, I was wondering, cause it was called Morgan. Oh. I was wondering if Megan was a, uh, was similar to that kind of thing where uh, like the people that, that create her, are like, oh my God, what we do? That kind well, of thing. It's it's getting good reviews, and it's also um, they they have they kind of uh, open it up for a sequel. Uh, Kate Mara was in that one with Morgan. Who? Kate Mara was in that. That's right. With, and you tell and Toby Jones. Yeah, it was creepy. It was it not was, good, but it was it, creepy. It was Luke Scott his directorial debut before he did uh, cause he, he was working with uh, uh, his, his dad, Ridley Scott. So. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, it reminds me of also, well, Alex McPherson who writes for my website. I saw him like last this. night. Yes. He was, he hadn't mentioned it to me before, but he texted me yesterday and said, Hey, due to the reviews and the buzz about Megan, I'm going to go tonight. And I said, fine, my car's still in the shop. I don't think I'm going to get there. 
And he came back and texted me. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. It's fun. It's fun, silly, stupid horror movie. It's the stuff that James Wan and Jason Blum do really well. And I had a good time well, watching good. this movie. It was there were like two jump stairs and one's a dog at the very beginning. Oh. So I oh. didn't, you know, mm. it wasn't it wasn't scary. Well, horror is uh, really coming up in uh, the January, uh, February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, that is known now as a time, but also because of uh, like last year, I am really high on this Ty West after seeing X and Pearl, and I look forward to the XXX Maxine. That, yeah, Maxine that he's doing now. Uh, with can I three- can I tell you something? You yeah. saw them in the wrong order. I know. I watched them in the correct order. But I find myself, and I'm going to tell Max Foisy this tomorrow when we do our best ofs. I liked Pearl better than I liked X. I do too. But then uh, Kent or uh, argued with me after a man called out of the other day when he said X is better. I said no, well, Pearl's better. I like so Pearl. we're having. Yeah, that. I, I, I think said, it's amazing. And since I watched them on uh, Blu-rays, it's amazing the parallels between everything and that there is a murder, a gruesome murder at one hour into both films. I like the style of this guy. I really do. And it, it has a look about it that, uh, and the, the opening, uh, you know, like just uh, like you're in Mayberry, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're not at all. And right. I just, it, it was chilling how it grew. And uh, so I'm eager to, cause Alex was uh, begging me for months to see these movies. And I finally, the last week we before we voted, you know, I finally, okay, I'm watching them. But to be fair, I have to watch horror sometimes, but I broke my rule. I did watch them at night. But uh, early night, well, not late. Well, night. Megan's Megan's very fun, and it's I I want to say it's PG thirteen because it's there's only one f bomb. It's really if you're going to use that one f bomb, make sure you use it effectively, and it is used effectively. It's mostly bloodless violence. Uh, you don't see anyone like gets st- you people get stabbed, and but you don't see it. There is a uh, a nail gun through the hand. That's oh. see, but the, um. that's as that's as gory as it gets, and you can t- it looks fake. So okay, it's... rated uh, PG thirteen for violent content and terror, some strong yeah. language, and a suggestive reference. Um, I don't even know. Well, yeah, there is a there is a Tinder joke in there that is very funny. But that's but that goes over most of the kids' heads. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, but everybody uh, this, everybody laughed. Okay, so uh, in this horror pantheon of of uh, possessed dolls, like we got Chucky and we got Annabelle. This is not uh, possessed doll. This this actually owes a lot to Frankenstein. The, I, I said at the end, uh, Mary Shelley should. have I was telling Kevin C. Johnson, uh, this movie owes a credit to Mary Shelley. Because it is very much Frankenstein. Aha. Uh-huh. Just like with with these creators when they go, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? Uh, and now yes. everything is in and the Gemma, tech Gemma world. Gemma says that a lot of times. Well, playing with uh, Mother Nature, so to speak, um, that is a familiar horror trope. 
Right. So, um, so this is a good way to start off the winter. It is. Okay. And you said uh, Pale Blue Eyes now on Netflix. Yes. Turns out I was very impressed with this movie and I knew nothing about the book. It is based on Lewis Banyard's book, right? Bayard's book. Okay. And it's fiction because I thought, did this really happen? No, no. it is fiction. But <laughs> Edgar uses... Allan Poe was not involved in a murder case. Well, right. But I didn't know because it's because when you hear that Edgar Allan Poe is a cadet at the West Point Academy. Now that is like, true. Yeah. You're like, whoa. So that's why you think it might be true. But it does bring in the occult. So well, and it's so, all, it's, and Edgar Allan Poe is surprisingly played by Henry uh, Harry Melling from the Harry Potter series as Dudley Dursley, who you would not recognize as Dudley Dursley. Well, he's a very versatile character actor. He was in uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He was with Liam Neeson in that scene as the amputee that was a, uh, as a, 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 like a spiritual soothsayer, like saw the future. You remember that? Mm. Liam Neeson carted him around. I don't remember. Oh, yes, I do remember that one. That was Harry Melling. Wow. So, and then he was the evil tech genius, speaking of that role, um, in Old Guard, Charlize Theron's uh, Netflix actioner. And he was in Queen's Gambit when everyone was trapped watching COVID. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, he's but he's not, he's not the star. I mean, I guess Edgar Allan Poe is a star, but Christian Bale is your star because he's the police detective back in the 1800s. Yes, this is very old-fashioned storytelling. This is like a page-turner, like a book, which is based on the myth. But it's written and directed by Scott Cooper, who is most famous for uh, Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. Well, Hostiles. And Hostiles, but he's worked with Christian Bale three times. Mm -hmm. uh, Hostiles, which was criminally ignored three years, uh, four years ago. 2017 i don't think yes. it had a distributor or something and and it fell through the cracks and as soon as we saw it we were all like this is a great this movie. is great yes and uh and uh so christian bale worked with out of the furnace which i didn't see did you see that i don't think i did it was about the brothers in ohio it had a mayor of east town quality to it i thought but i didn't see it so i don't know but anyway he plays this detective who is retired and who is mourning his beautiful daughter. And uh, he gets called into uh, West Point to investigate this gruesome murder because a cadet was found murdered with his heart cut out. And, a telltale heart? Yeah, yeah. isn't that interesting? I, I uh, had so many connections to telltale heart as soon as you find out Edgar Allan Poe. Well, all of a sudden, the student, the detective runs into this student who has a lot of theories about the murder and it's Edgar Allan Poe. So he makes a deal with him uh, because the, the, the traditional army military uh, way of life back then was to pull in ranks and code of silence. Code so of he, silence. Knew, he knew he was going to need help with uh getting to the bottom of this murder uh the quote unquote powers that be include timothy spall simon mcburney toby jones 
So it is a veritable Toby Jones again. Yes, it's a ver a veritable uh you know classy actors in supporting roles, and they uh seem to hit dead ends. And Lucy Boynton is in it as Toby Jones's daughter, who Edgar Allan Poe takes a shine to. Huh. But she has secrets. And Gillian, Gillian Anderson is the mom. Wow. Brief, brief role. Okay. But we're talking a great cast here. But the, the the main thing is Christian Bale and Harry Melling, and it's a great relationship, and it unfolds slowly, as they say, deliberately. It's beautifully shot. It has got a terrific score by Howard Shore. Christian Bale plays him well. Uh, as in all Christian Bale movies, he gets under the skin of this guy, and he plays him with this, uh, uh, this sadness, this melancholy, this something else is going on here, uh, which you'll find out. Um, and so if you've read the book, The Pale Blue Eye, this is a, I would say, an apt adaptation of it. Uh, and I found it very fascinating because I knew nothing about it. Keeps your attention. All right. So let's move on to some things that we might have missed over the uh, holiday break. Uh, White Noise is now on Netflix. Wildcat is on Amazon Prime. If These Walls Could Sing is on Disney+. And this Dionne Warwick, I was talking to somebody yesterday about this Dionne Warwick documentary, which is on HBO it, it was on CNN on New Year's, and there are a lot of things going on with Dionne Warwick uh, meeting these rap stars. Did you watch any of this? I haven't had time yet, but I will. I plan on watching it. And uh, also the EO movie about the donkey ah, yes. going through Europe. It opens at the Webster Film Series January 5th. So Pete Timmerman encourages everybody to come to the Webster University campus to see EO. Alex loves the movie. EO is the <laughs> name of the movie. You said to see EO. It's it's not to watch the movie EO. Yes, it is an international feature. Poland. Yes. It is about a donkey. So I'm Who's there. Traveling. I just, I just got the link last night, so I have to watch it. And so we'll we'll follow up with that. But I wanted to give a little a brief uh, thing about Wildcat and if these walls could sing. Wildcat is on Amazon Prime right now. It is about a, a British soldier who was in the Afghanistan war, a young guy who developed PTSD, and he decided he was going to go to the Peruvian Amazon and basically uh, end his life. And uh, he gets involved with an animal sanctuary. And he just falls in love with the animals and also with a, a, a woman there. And uh, it's a true story, but it's more than rescuing animals in the Amazon, which is fascinating. 
And it's fascinating how uh, this network of people help these animals. And uh, that's why it's called Wildcat. But it's more about mental health. Ah, And it's an interesting take on mental health. And the filmmakers were had unprecedented access in this Amazonian jungle. And it's it's very fascinating, but it takes some surprising twists and turns. I thought initially it was just going to be about this animal sanctuary. I didn't know it was going to be about the the uh, PTSD. But it's a, it's a, uh, I I encourage people to watch it. It's just it's on it Amazon not, Prime. Yeah, it might not be what you think. Now, if these walls could sing, is about the Abbey Road Studios, and it is uh, a documentary. And it is made by Paul McCartney's daughter, Mary, who's known as a photographer like her mother, Linda yep. McCartney. But also uh, sh- this she got into this documentary and uh, one a, a documentary filmmaker had approached her about doing this. So she uh, interviewed all these famous people who used Abbey Road Studios, including her father and Elton John. And Jimmy Page is in there. And the reverence about that space. Roger is, Waters, David Gilmore. Yes. It's a, it's a who's who of music. And surprisingly, John Williams recorded a lot of film soundtracks there. Wow. So that's an interesting twist. I did not know. So if you are fascinated with... Uh, well, rock and roll and and contemporary music, and you know the Beatles' impact. It is nothing like Get Back. Don't think you're going into this with this whole big Beatles thing because the Beatles are an integral part of the story. They but started it, not the whole story. Right, and uh, if you are a fan of Oasis, you get uh, the Gallagher brothers. Probably not together. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yes, it's interesting. And from her perspective, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, she has my, a, I'm doing a documentary about where my dad used to work. Right, right. She talks about being there as a kid, remembers what it was like. You know, I read an interview with her. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, it was around the corner from where they lived. And she said she thought it was a big deal because there were always people around. Right. There was this pilgrimage. It's become such a pilgrimage spot to. Uh, people our age and younger people yes, um, as well. So she knew something was up, but yeah, no, that's fascinating that she got a hold of all these people. I'm sure if Mary McCartney called, <laughs> you'd want to. Hi, I'm calling take, on behalf. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that's the, what we got right now. We'll have more next week. I hope. Yeah. Let's hope so. Well, who knows what's coming out? It's January. It's either horror films or a dumping ground or movies that you thought had already come out, which they haven't yet. Women Talking has not really come out yet, and it's on everybody's best of list. I know. I People ask me all the time, and I said, I don't have a date yet, but it's coming. Oh, by the way, uh, not if you care, because I do think they're gypsy, tramps, and thieves, but the Golden Globe Awards are back on TV only They've been relegated to a Tuesday evening, January 10th. Well, that's to stay away from football, probably. Well, that's because they were in the doghouse because they got banned for years. So people are back. They have 
They have Quentin Tarantino as one of the presenters. Uh, Rathaniel, uh, Jared Carmichael, who I think is a fabulous talent. He's mm -hmm. the MC. Right. Uh, and Host. I would be... I would be remiss to, to not mention the Critics' Choice Association is on Sunday, January 15th, and I am voting in that, as is Max Boise, and uh, they're having a new host this year. It used to be Ty Diggs, but now it's Chelsea Handel, and so we're giving the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award to Jeff Bridges. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to attend this year because of that, and our See Her Award is going to Janelle Monet. Oh, so mark fantastic your calendar. In glass it's on, yeah it's on oh yeah and um it is on the cw one of our st louis film critics nominees um yes it is on the uh cw yes january 15th so That's mark those on your calendar and carl you will be happy to know next week's podcast we are having people from the new jewish theater who are presenting broadway bound including director alan Knoll. Oh, I like him. I know you do. He so just had a birthday the day after Christmas. And they moved. We'll talk right. about that later. Where can we find you, Lynn? I am on all the socials. I am on poplifestl.com. I am on uh, in the Webster Kirkwood Times. Kent and I have our top 10 in alphabetical order this year, plus our honorable mention. And uh, I am now starting with the Jennifer Bloom and Wendy Weiss mid-morning show on KTRS on Friday, January 6th. Excellent. You can find me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Show on 97.1 and also on KMOX on the weekends for Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern. Also Instagram. And I like talking to people. So, And you're good at it. And Thanks. you play the horn at <laughs> the blues games. Oh yeah, that, that, that happens as well. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Uh, Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Keep warm.